What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think what you just said made me look at those scenarios differently. God replaced all my junk with with a beautiful light. God's really been changing the way that I parent my children. The most amazing thing is the sufficiency of His Word. This is Transform. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Master's University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and we've been talking about fear of man. Yes, I said it, fear of man. I know that is a term that scares some of us. It's a term that we know we struggle with. Maybe you would call it people-pleasing. Maybe you would call it a codependency. But whatever you're calling it, fear of man is the reality of what the Bible would call it. And by fear of man, if you were listening to last episode, all I simply mean is that we are putting our ultimate respect in people. So they provide us approval. We honor people ultimately. So they give us affirmation. They make us valuable. We don't want to upset them. That's both people that we're close to, people that we're not close to. So we become very compliant individuals. We volunteer for everything while internally we're somewhat, uh, I guess, boiling over with frustration and disappointment. We let people walk all over us because we don't want to uh, stand up or to say something. So when you think of fear of man, don't think I'm afraid of people. Like there's a human, ah, run. No, just think like approval or people pleasing, to use the term. And I did offer a book that was on the Transform store. It's by Ed Welsh, When People Are Big and God Is Small. Again, I want to remind you, if you have to skip lunch today to go buy that book, then it is a worthy fast. Unless you have some dietary regulation, I don't want to hurt you. But otherwise, do go buy that book because it is, it's one of those books you just have to have in your library, When People Are Big and God Is Small by Ed Welsh. So today's episode is going to be about the solution or the remedy for fear of man. And you may be surprised on what the Bible actually says because in, in secular culture, sometimes we'll think things like this. We're like, who cares what people think about you? People are dummies. And you're like, well, I'm not. Uh, some people are dummies, but I'm not sure that's the biblical antidote to fear of man. Who cares what they say? They're a loser. And you're like, uh, is that the, I'm, I don't re- like renew my mind with that one. I'm not sure that's the way that this is supposed to work. Biblically, the answer is first of all, not to think less of other people, to put them down. Internally, you're not saying something like, well, yeah, you're a loser. So who cares what you have to say? Moving on. You like my voice? I don't know where that voice comes from, by the way. Deep within. So I'm, I'm not putting people down. I don't want to minimize people. Internally, I don't want to be dismissive of others. In fact, I think that can be a very dangerous thing to continue to do, to be dismissive. The antidote to fear of man is not to put people down, first of all. And I, I'll hear this practically and different. It's like, well, who cares what they think? They can't even... And then you fill in the blank with that. It's like, well, that's not the answer biblically. I'm actually to consider other needs is more important than myself. Or Romans 15, I'm, I am to please other people. Romans 14, I'm to consider their convictions as being important. So I, I'm not called to just put people down as the antidote. The other side of that is I'm not to think more of myself. Let me install a mirror in every corner of my house and stare at my own beauty. There you are, good looking. 
that's not the remedy either. Sometimes the the way that I'll hear people approach this is we're like, well, look how gifted you are. Look how smart you are. Look how capable. You do such a good job. You're beautiful. You're strong. Well, those things may be true, and I don't doubt those things are true for some of us, but still, again, that is not the remedy for what happens when I respect people and honor them more than I honor the Lord. The Bible doesn't say, think more about yourself. There are clear passages that tell us to think soberly about our giftedness, Romans 12, or to think accurately about yourself, 1 Corinthians 4. So I'm not wanting to say, well, hey, I'm awesome and you're a loser. And that's why I don't care about what you think. That's just unbiblical. And half the time, that's not even true anyways. So when when I get down to what does the Bible call me to do? What is the remedy? What is the antidote to people pleasing? It is this. Are you ready for it? I need to grow in my fear of the Lord. If I struggle with people pleasing, fear of man, codependency, If I struggle with those, the answer is not to elevate myself and put people down. The answer is to exalt the Lord, to lift him up, to grow in a vision of who he is. Okay, grab your Bible. Go back to Proverbs 29. I want you to look there with me. Proverbs 29, I covered this last episode and I introduced this idea. This is where we would use the term fear of man. It comes from passages like these. We're going to see in Colossians 3, people pleasing. And eye service is used as another way of communicating this. Proverbs 29, 25, if you're struggling with fear of man, I would encourage you to write this verse on every every note card you ever owned, post it around your house, put it in your car. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Trusting in the Lord is the antidote to letting people get too big in your life. Trusting in the Lord. And you're like, all right. All right, Dr. Gifford, don't biblical counselors say that about everything? Well, sometimes, sometimes there is a core factor of a lack of trust in the Lord. But consider the implications of this. Why do you trust in the Lord? Because you see him as big and awesome, as ultimate and sovereign. So you're not ultimately concerned with what other people think about you. Why? Because you're ultimately concerned by the ultimate sovereign God of the universe and what he thinks about you. That is why people become less and less and less. Their perspective doesn't dominate you anymore. I want to read for you just a section of Daniel 3, and I mentioned this in our last episode, but I didn't cover it as in-depth as I wanted. You remember in Daniel 3 that what takes place is there is set up by King Nebuchadnezzar a decree that whenever these musical instruments go off, that everyone is supposed to fall down and worship this golden image. And whoever doesn't fall down and worship will be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, Daniel 3.11. So there were certain Jews. Those Jews were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they paid no attention to this decree. So what happens is Nebuchadnezzar, in a prideful, furious rage, calls them to himself in Daniel 3.14, and he says, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? 
I love their response. Death is on the line. Listen to their response. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Boo to the Yah, King Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have to tinker or mince words here. There's no, hmm, what do you exactly mean by fall down and worship? Do, do I have to go all the way down? Is it just one knee or two? Hear this. We know that our God is able to deliver us. Think of the big picture that these three Jews have, the big picture they have of God. Hear this. God has life and death in his hand. He is sovereign. He is completely in control of everybody, and that includes you, O ruler of the earthly world. Nebuchadnezzar is no chump at this point. You do recognize that Babylon is going to be a leading world power. Imagine yourself standing before a current leading world president, emperor, prime minister, and saying, hey, bud, I'm hearing you, but recognize this. God is the one who is ultimately in control, and he is able to deliver us. What do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have? A big view of who God is, a massive view. God is able to deliver us. And before we go all prosperity gospel on this and see God wants us to succeed, he will bless us and give us long life. Remember verse 18 says, but if not, if he does not deliver us, we're still not going to fall down and serve your gods. God can rescue us out of this, but he may choose for us to die. And we're still not going to bow down to that golden image thingy. Oh man, how do you have such a steadfast vision of what is right in a time when your life is at stake? Well, you have a massive view of who God is. God's totally in control and it's up to him right now. This is amazing. This squashes fear of man. When you see that God is ultimately in control, what happens is you stand before earthly kings and you say, you know what? You're powerful, but you're not the ultimate power. You stand in front of important people and you say, you know what, you do have a lot of influence and I understand that and I understand you can even make my life somewhat miserable here on this earth. Yes, I do understand that. But ultimately, you're not the one in control. God is in control. You see, what people-pleasing does is it's like a cloud that rolls in and it prevents us from seeing the bigness of God, a fog. I can't see the sunlight anymore because there's this fog that's hindering my view. That's what people-pleasing does. People-pleasing does not see a big sovereign God. And when we want to break through the fog of people-pleasing, what do we need? We don't need to put people down. We don't need to think more of ourselves. We need a big view of who God is. So we need to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to pick up with Colossians 3 and see what Paul has to say about this there. We'll be right back. And we'll be right back with Dr. Greg Gifford and his conversation on the fear of man in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, I want to take a moment to highlight an excellent resource that you can find right now in the Transform store at transformed.org. It's a resource called Pleasing People, a booklet written by the late Dr. Lou Priolo. In this resource, I'm telling you folks, in just a little small booklet, 
but it is full of information that can help you root out this people-pleasing fear of man issue that you might be dealing with. Dr. Priolo gives some very, very practical information to, to explain how the fear of man is in direct proportion to the fear of God in our lives, our view of God's sovereignty, and our view of God's governance. So this is a book that I highly recommend you pick up if you're dealing with issues of the fear of man. Again, it's called Pleasing People by Dr. Lou Priolo. And while you're there at Transform.org picking up Pleasing People by Dr. Lou Priolo, I would also ask that maybe you consider prayerfully, that is, becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. That's right, because if you do that, you help us. You help us not just by throwing money at us. That's not what you're doing. That's not what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to come in and become a partner with us. Because when you partner with us, you help us create content. You help us reach more people. And that's what we're looking for. We're not just looking for simple donations. No, we appreciate those too. But we're looking for ongoing relational partnerships. And if you are in a place in your life where you could possibly join us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would certainly appreciate you considering that. You can find out all of the information and get the answers to the questions we know you have at transformed.org. And speaking of reaching people and equipping people, another resource that you can find in the Transformed store is the Gospel According to Jesus, written by Dr. John MacArthur. And this is an excellent counseling primer. If you've been thinking about becoming a biblical counselor, this book will help get you ready for that. The Gospel According to Jesus, you can find it in the Transformed store at transform.org. It lays a crucial foundation for understanding biblical salvation. And we all know that that is the pillar, the foundational requirement of someone that receives biblical counseling on an ongoing basis. It's The Gospel According to Jesus by Dr. John MacArthur, again, in the Transform store at transformed.org. And about out of time for me, but we are going to get back to Dr. Greg Gifford now as he continues to discuss the fear of man. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transformed. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for the recommendations. It's good to know that you can just go to Transformed and trust the resources that are there. I can go to Amazon for sure, but I don't know what to trust on Amazon. So it's nice to go look at Transformed and see, oh, okay, those are resources that we do trust and we do recommend. So I hope you will avail yourself to those. All right. Like I said, last segment, I want to go to Colossians 3. So hopefully you have a Bible. If you're driving, tell your Siri to turn your Bible for you. Is that how that works? I don't know. Give it a shot. See what Siri does. Go in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, and I want to go to the last part of chapter 3, verse 18 and following, and, and you're seeing domestic responsibilities that are laid out here. So wives, verse 18, husbands, verse 19, children, verse 20, fathers, verse 21, bond servants, verse 22. If you've ever heard the principle of working hard as unto the Lord, it comes from this passage and passages similar to this. And it is given to bond servants. And, you know, a bond servant and a modern day employee, they're not exactly the same thing. You know, we're not indentured slaves to those that we have debts with. You know, my bank, I don't live on my bank's property and take care of it for my mortgage. So there, there are obvious differences, but by way of application for modern day workers, we can look at a bond servant and say, okay, how should I work? What should my work ethic be like? 
And verse 22 and 23 do help speak to that. So let's look at this. Verse 22 says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. There's that term people pleaser. Don't just do the right thing when your master is looking. That's eye service. You and I have worked in environments where boss is gone, everybody flakes out. I remember I worked at FedEx in college and our supervisor would literally have to patrol the, the loading dock to make sure that everybody was staying on task. Nobody's talking. If you don't have an internal motivation to be pleasing to the Lord, then it's like the boss is just going to crack the whip on you if you get caught. So the boss is away, the mice get to play. Now, people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, what is the antidote to being a people pleaser? With sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Okay, I'm going to read verse 25, but I'm going to pause at verse 24 for now. What is the antidote to people pleasing here? Why are you not just working when your boss is watching? Because you fear the Lord. God is watching you. So why do you continue working when your boss is even on vacation? Because God is watching you. God is seeing what you are doing. So what is the the antidote? Fear the Lord. You're not working for man, verse 23, but you're working for the Lord. So there are going to be times, and he'll mention this in verse 25, when there's actually a bad boss. What are you motivated for or by? What are you motivated by? You're motivated by pleasing the Lord. So verse 24 adds something that's unique. Knowing from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. There is a reward that comes when you are honoring God in your work. And even if your boss thanks you for it or pays you for it or does not pay you for it, in the end, you are working for the Lord and he will reward you. Believers, we know that at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, the reward seat. So the Bema and reward seat, there is going to be an actual reward for a faithful life. That is the, the term crown that's used in James 1.12. Or Paul speaks of it in 2 Timothy 4 when he says, there's a crown laid up for me. We know that to be true. You will receive a reward, but note those who are evildoers, they will also receive the penalty of their consequences. There is no partiality. What squashes being a person who only works while your boss is watching? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. That's people pleasing, by the way. So behind closed doors, you're not a trusted individual. Why? Because you're just living to make the boss, and in my context, the commander happy. And it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks of you. It doesn't matter if the commander, if he doesn't see it or she doesn't see it, then you're not going to do it. You're living for the commander. Biblically speaking, what is the antidote to crushing that type of eye service and people pleasing? It's fear of the Lord. I'm going to do what is right, whether my commander is watching or not. So how do you squash this Colossians 3? Fear of the Lord. I want you to go to one more passage with me. Go over to Galatians. Try not to spam you with too many. That way you can remember some of the things that I've said. But look at this juxtaposition that is mentioned here. And Paul does use this in the context of speaking the truth to this group of churches. He says in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. There is a juxtaposition. Are you ultimately pleasing God or are you ultimately living for 
the pleasure, the affirmation, the approval, the acceptance of man. The acceptance of man and the acceptance of God are contradictory. You cannot live for both. You can't do it. It ain't going to happen. Sorry to use ain't on you folks, but it ain't going to happen. God is ultimate and you are either living for him ultimately. And if people have taken his spot, then you are no longer living for God ultimately. So what is the remedy for fear of man? Hopefully you're hearing me on this. What is the remedy? The remedy is that I have to do something like this. I have to grow in my reverence, in my honor, and in my fear of the Lord. Ultimately, I want God to be satisfied with my life, with my decisions, with my actions, even if people are not immediately satisfied with my actions. Let's tease this out just for a second because I know this can be helpful. Some of us have been so, so harnessed by, so trapped by what people think of us that we've never actually been able to turn that corner and say, but what does God ultimately think about? We go to individuals to be liked and affirmed. And if we don't have affirmation from other people, we are unstable. We're emotionally distraught. We're discouraged. Some of us need our bosses to give us an attaboy so we keep working hard. And if we don't get the attaboy, if we don't get the praise, if we don't get the promotion, then our attitude goes sour and we don't work as hard. Some of us in our family relationships, we need appreciation and we need it too much. We're only going to do that kind gesture for our family if you say thank you and you didn't say thank you. So guess what? We're not going to do it or you've been unkind to us today. So we're definitely not going to be kind in return. What is all of that representative of? It's representative of us being individuals who need people too much. One of the things that Dr. Ed Welsh says in the book, when people are big and God is small, is he says that some of us, we have to learn how to love people more and to need them less. Can you imagine how freeing it would be to enter into a conversation to simply care about what that person is saying and not for a nanosecond, a micro nanosecond or whatever the smaller version of a nanosecond is, not for that, think, what are they thinking about me? Do they care about me? Do they think I'm cool, smart, put together? In that moment, how do we become a better family member, friend, worker? How do we become less needy individuals? We do that by growing in our fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is going to propel us to do good to family members that are not always appreciative. The fear of the Lord pushes through days when your friends are just a little crabby and kind of snippety with you and you're like, you know what, ultimately I love the Lord and I want to do what he's calling me to do. The fear of the Lord is going to really shine in your life when you don't feel like you were paid what you were owed and you're going to ask, all right, am I doing this for the pleasure of God or for the approval of people? When you fear the Lord, Yes, you still want to have healthy friendships that honor the Lord. Yes, you want to get paid for your work, of course. But those are not the ultimate reasons why you're doing what you're doing. You're doing it because you want God to be in your favor. Or let me say that in a more accurate way. You want God to give you his favor, not in your favor. We want God to be approving of what we're doing. Listeners, be free in this. Be free in this. In our next episode, I'm going to give you practical tips on how to grow in the fear of the Lord. But be free in this. If you're wrestling with fear of man, what do you need? Don't put people down and minimize them. You're a loser. That's not right. Don't exalt yourself and start working out and 
being all yoga pants-esque. That's not right either. The answer is grow in your fear of God. And as you grow in your fear of the Lord, what happens is you do care about what people say and think, but it's not what you ultimately care about. What you ultimately care about is what the Lord says. I'm going to pray for you. Some of you are trapped in this. Some of you have kids that are trapped in this right now. I'm going to pray for you that the Lord would give you wisdom on how to get out of that and to be free and how to help your kids navigate these waters that they're, they're kind of stuck in right now. Lord, at times our circumstances drown out a view of who you are. Our boss seems big. A deadline or a customer seems big. Uh, there are times when we're in relationship and the approval of that person, it does functionally mean a lot to us. And yet we know that ultimately we are to live for you. Ultimately, your opinion matters. And in a blink of an eye, some of us will, will understand this sooner than others, that we will meet you. And when we meet you instantaneously, what people thought about us will not matter. And what you think about us will ultimately matter. Lord, give us a vision for that meeting. Give us a vision of your attributes and your existence. Give us a vision that you are big. We want to love people and do good to them and not be dominated by what they think of us, Lord. Help us to be set free so that we're harder workers for your glory, better friends for your glory, better family members for your glory. And Lord, give us wisdom on how to help our kids through this. Some of them are going through high school and junior high years, and they're stuck right in the middle of this. Lord, give us the words to say, the truths to bring at the right moment so that we can be of help, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king.